Jen and Evan, we appreciate the playing this morning. All right, they're excited. I'd like you to take your Bible this morning, find, if you will, the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John, if you will, find that place in your Bible this morning. Book of 1 John. Good morning, Crystal. How we doing? Just okay? All right, we'll take it. First John chapter number four, find that place. Again, we're glad you're here and uh, praise the Lord for his many blessings. Good to see the devil and sneak in the building this morning, amen. Really? Everybody okay? Amen. I hope nobody was, was it bad? Kitchen fire? Okay. Well, 11.30 at night, God bless you. Well, as you know, John's a very old fire department chief over there. Captain, don't call me chief. And <laughs> old school there, but uh, so pray for his safety all the time as he does that job over there and uh Nobody wants fires any time, especially this time of year. It's always the worst. Cold and holidays, it's bad. But we're glad you're able to save the house and uh, at least take care of things. Uh, John chapter number 4. Uh, we're picking up where we left off. Uh, we stopped for a little while to give you some messages concerning the birth of Christ. And uh, we're back now on schedule. Now, next Sunday morning is the first Sunday in January. And next Sunday morning, we will have the Lord's Supper. And that's secret code to a certain couple who prepares that around here. So next Sunday morning, we will have the Lord's Supper, and uh, we'll be preaching a message on the Lord's Supper, the meaning of it next Sunday morning. Uh, but we will have that, and we do that. Normally, the Lord's Supper is the first Sunday night of every month, but we change that in January and July. We do the Sunday mornings. But uh, So again, be, be here for that. And uh, uh, so we're kind of back to where we were, and... Uh, Picking up, I thought about preaching a New Year's message, and but I uh, felt the led of the Lord just to go back to where we were and continue looking at First John. And in chapter number four, he says in verse number one, "Beloved, believe not every spirit." That's an interesting phrase, by the way, isn't it? Not, which means to tell me that there are a lot of spirits doing a lot of talking. And by spirits, spiritual beings. And these spiritual beings, who, who do they do their talking through? Well, through humans. And so God is letting us know something here about the spiritual world and the realm. And in other words, he's saying, don't believe everything you hear. Be careful with what you hear. He says, but beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, where have ye heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. Ye are of, the ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. We're thankful for the Word of God that protects us, keeps us from error, help us to learn it, to memorize it, to study it, to know its truths, that, Lord, we may not be deceived by those false spirits that are out there. Bless now this time, we pray. Bless if anybody's not saved, help them understand the gospel and be saved. Bless the boys and girls who are being ministered to through the Word today. In all things, may Christ be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're familiar with the old expression, snake oil salesman. In the 18th and 19th century, uh, snake oil salesmen were 
individuals who would travel around the countryside in a wagon and they would be selling uh, their medicines, so to speak. This medicine could promise anything, cures from psychological problems to all types of health issues and worst case scenarios, it would remove tough stains from clothing as well. And uh, these, the term snake oil is often used to describe a worthless, fake medical remedy, again, promoted to be a cure for almost everything. By extension, the snake oil salesman himself was a useless person because he was selling a useless product. He was selling it to make a quick buck, and he would go into town, sell this product as quickly as possible, and then flee the scene with all his money, and anybody who got sick or even died from his product, well, that was their problem because he was gone to the next town. It's an interesting study in how where snake oil salesmen and the term comes from, and uh, oil from Chinese water snakes for centuries has been used in uh, Chinese traditional medicine to treat joint pains such as arthritis and bursitis. Today we use the same medicine. We normally get it from fish oils. It's called omega-3s. But in these Chinese water snakes possess the same thing. And when the Chinese immigration came over here to this country, uh, they brought this product with them. Well, again, unscrupulous people would take that. And, and since they didn't have any Chinese water snakes, they used rattlesnakes and whatever else they could. And there's really no medicinal purpose in a rattlesnake. It doesn't possess the omega oils that the Chinese water snakes possess. And so you may get a product that was basically cooked with rattlesnakes, opiums, and alcohol, and even cocaine could be found in this product. Again, it may make you feel good for a short time, but it would wear off and not cure anything. It may even kill you, as I've already mentioned. It's, it was a hit or miss with the person on how much he really cared and how much damage he wanted to do to an individual. But these people were known for selling a useless product. And so we still use that term in America today when we see somebody who's a fake or a phony and they're selling a product that's really a worthless product, we will call that person a snake oil salesman because they're selling something that's of no value, something that's not going to help you. And we, we, we still have a lot of snake oil salesmen out there today. You, usually, if you watch TV at 3 o'clock in the morning, they're selling some product that's bound to, this is going to help you lose weight. And if you're like, and next thing you know, all you got to do is take this pill and you're going to look like Rocky after three weeks. Well, that's not going to happen, but you, but you may think it's going to happen. Or something else is going to help you. This is going to heal that arthritis in your back, and this is going to solve that problem. We have a lot, and even in our, I'm sorry to say, even in our pharmaceutical industries, they are selling things to you that really do not do have any value. They may make you feel good, but they are not going to fix what's wrong with you. Depression is a common problem, always has been a problem. And what makes you depressed, my friend, is what you have gone through and what you have suffered. Not because your brain is malfunctioning, but because of what you've gone through. The only way to deal with depression is deal with it scripturally and work through it with the Lord. You're depressed because of an issue that you've gone through. We've all suffered from depression. We've all gone through dark times. But I'm afraid there's no pill going to cure depression. It's a snake oil. But sadly, it's a multi-billion dollar snake oil industry. Now, when we think about snake oil salesmen, we find snake oil salesmen, sadly, in Christianity. They're all over TV. They're all over the Internet promising you something. I saw a guy on TV. There's a guy years ago in the 80s. His, uh, his name was Popoff. I can't think of his first name. But he, he was caught lying and being deceptive, and, and his ministry kind of fell apart. And, but eventually he, he worked his way back. And I saw a, a, a flipping some infomercial with him on it and selling you, not selling, giving away magic spring water. That if you take this magic spring water, this holy spring water, and you drink it, throw it on your Bible, throw it on yourself, throw it on your neighbor, 
that all of a sudden God's going to bless you with great blessings. And had people that I, I drank the spring water and, and, and next thing my mortgage was paid off. And everybody's talking about financial blessings they got from magic spring water. The guys have uh, oil. One guy said that, I read this years ago, this oil is using the biblical recipe for, for holy oil. And I've read this book, I can't find a recipe for, for, for holy oil. I just can't find it. I've plowed through this book all my life, I can't find a recipe for special oil that's going to be the cure-all for your problems. There's handkerchiefs. If you send a donation of any size, we'll send you this handkerchief that's been prayed over, and you lay it upon you, your body will be healed. And, and magic, that's snake oil stuff. There's no healings in waters, oils. Uh, one guy, even I, I mailed her one time where it came with a little rug. If I would place this piece of paper that looked like some old... Uh, you know, Alibaba magic carpet, and, and I just knelt on it and prayed on this rug that God would answer my prayers. And I can imagine there are people out there trying to take in this paper, spreading it on the floor, and we're kneeling on this, this Persian rug, hoping that God would answer their prayers. It's not how it works. I even got one with a, a face mask. You just put this, this mask on your face with two holes on your eyes and pray with this thing on your face. And so I put it on my face, cut the mouth out, and running around the house scaring the kids one time. With it. And, uh, but that's not going to give you any... It, there's nothing in it. It's snake oil. Snake oil salesman. And it, it, there's no power in it, but people are making money, millions of dollars they make in this industry. And we see that all throughout Christianity, and it's sad to see people believing this because they're sick or financially struggling and they're hoping against hope that somehow this really will work, but that's not biblical Christianity. Now, in our text here, John is dealing with Gnosticism. And if you remember, we discussed Gnosticism, and this was a popular doctrine at that time. And in Gnosticism, Jesus Christ was not God. He was a created being who came to earth uh, for the purpose of helping mankind to escape the earthly boundaries, to move him to a higher spiritual plane. But he was not here really to save souls, die for sin. And he was not God, but he was just merely another God to help you in your spiritual evolution, so to speak. And early church members had been caught up in this Gnostic doctrine and, and believing it. And that's why John stresses so much time in this book stressing the person of Christ and who he is. Because, again, that is salvation. Who do you believe Jesus Christ is? Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're this, some say you're that. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's not important what others say. What do you say? And Jesus Christ and, and Paul, Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter had the right answer. That's the answer, my friend. Now, we see people again being deceived, and, and, and John is giving us this test on how to test things. Remember, I, I always liked science class back in, in high school and grammar school when they gave you those litmus papers. Remember litmus paper? And you'd be able to stick that paper. We used to take it by the dozen, just stick it, just, just wasting the litmus paper because it was cool to see it change colors. But... Uh, and, some, and we have to give things a litmus test to see, does, it, this, does this match up? You ever taste something? My, my wife and kids, I must be the guinea pig in the house. Dad, is the milk okay? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Sometimes. If it comes out chunky, throw it out. But is the milk any good? Because you haven't lived until you've taken a mouthful of cereal and then spewed it across the kitchen. Any, any, <laughs> you've done that. It's not fun. It's gone bad. Well, my friend, some things are just bad, and they need to be, they need to be tested to see they, if they're good or not. Scripture is our, our, our testing for things. And he encourages us here, first of all, do not believe every spirit. Again, he's discussed previously having discussed the abiding work of the Holy Spirit of God in true believers. As believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. Jesus said he's our teacher, he is our guide into all truth. But he only guides you as you use the scriptures. Now he may speak to your heart, but he'll use scripture to, to remind you of what's, what, what's wrong, what is error, what's not right. And Christians must carefully, to closely 
examine every spiritual message they encounter. Is this a right message? Am I listening to what's right here? As we read this text here, the, the imperative form of the verb believe with the negative particle not could literally be translated stop believing. Stop believing. And it's amazing how much people will believe something because it's coming from a popular person or maybe a credible person. But we have to stop believing things. Growing up, I grew up with a lot of superstitions. My mom had a lot of superstitions. And I don't know if I necessarily believed them, but they were just part of our lifestyle. You, you, you knock over the salt shaker, what do you do? You, you, you toss it over, I think it's your right shoulder or something. You, you, and, and the guy behind you is like, what in the world? And, but you, you threw the salt over your shoulder. You couldn't open an umbrella in the house. That was bad luck. If a bird flew in the house, somebody was going to die. Anybody? anybody am I the only one who grew up with these nutty things? And, and, or you couldn't put a shoe on the table. That was bad luck if you put a shoe on the table. Listen, I'm running around spilling salt shakers, shoes on the table, opening umbrellas, breaking mirrors because it's all hogwash. It, it, there's nothing in any of that. I'm walking under umbrellas and, and, and under ladders and, and you, know, you know, because don't do that. That's, but what my mom taught us that, but as we got into the Word of God growing up, we no longer did that. So when I put a shoe on the table, Mom, get that shoe off the table. I said, Mom, it's not bad luck. She said, oh, but it's dirty. Get it off the table. Okay, now you got an excuse. Now I can get it off the table. It has nothing to do with uh, bad luck or anything. And Christians... Don't believe any of those things because we know it's, it's not, it's, those are not how this thing works. We're to stop believing certain things. Our cultures and the things we grew up with, if our culture contradicts the word of God, my friend, throw your culture out the window. You're a child of God now. You're a citizen of heaven, not bound to, to devilish cultures that uh, contradict the word of God and may uh, take you away from the things of God. Uh, it's New Year's Eve. It, it is a Swedish tradition to eat pickled herring every New Year's Eve. I like pickled herring. I even like pickled herring in sour cream. I think that's wonderful. You may think it's gross, but if I eat pickled herring on New Year's Eve out of tradition, it's just because it's tradition. It's a, my ancestors did it, but there's no power. We're not doing it because it's, oh, it's just something they did. That's okay. If you, you're Italian and you had your fish for Christmas, God bless you. You can have all the fish on planet Earth. I don't want any of it. But it, 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 don't, it doesn't bring you any good luck. It's just a tradition. Those are good things. But traditions, we don't do this because of evil spirits and birds. No, stop. Just stop. Good morning, young ladies. How are we all doing? Amen. I'm doing good, thank you. Amen. Now. So we're not the believer thing. And again, we need to exercise biblical discernment. How does this match up with the Word of God? What does the Bible say about this? And what is, what is this guy saying? And, and what does the Scripture say? But we always want to believe good things. We always want to believe the best in people. And, and so we're our, it might be our nature, but we, we have to be skeptical. God's telling us here to be careful. Don't believe Everything you hear. Just because a man opens his Bible. I listened to a 10 minutes of a Joel Osteen sermon just recently. Can I tell you? Actually, 15 minutes. The first 10 minutes, he was sound as a dollar. Everything he said was right on the money. He was quoting a text in Colossians, and what he said was perfect and fine. And then he began to make application, and then he, that's when it went off into left field. I'm like, that's not what those verses mean. And God is not talking about you having happy thoughts and being prosperous. It's talking about you growing in Christ and, and maturing in your faith, not about your pocketbook getting larger. But, you know, they suck you in with truth. And then next thing you know, you're, you're taking this turn. Like, well, where are we going? This is not where this is taking us. But you're being deceived. And that's how all deception starts. It starts off... You know, that's how Satan worked it in the garden. He didn't just come right out and say, God's a liar. He said, it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks good. But we can't eat or touch it. And then little by little, he worked his way in. So we have to have the test to see whether they have God. He says, 
But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Again, as we think about this, what he's saying here, we're to test things. Is this real or not? If you were to be involved in the gold rush years ago, they, there was real gold, and then there was what? Fool's gold. Looks like gold. May even taste like gold, whatever gold tastes like. But it's not gold. And so what do you need? You need a metallurgist to come along and to test it. And now an expert can look and say, that's just fool's gold. It's not real. But to, to, to me, an untrained eye, look, I got gold. No, it's, it's not gold at all. You know, we can go out to, look, I found a diamond. No, that's just a clear rock. Oh, man. Nothing. No, it's worthless. Absolutely worthless. Christians are to test and evaluate things. We're to measure. And how do we measure things? We do it through the Word of God. Look, if you will, at 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he is encouraging Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Now, again, how do we know if something's right or not? I remember when we were kids, my friend was an atheist, my friend Scott. Where's Abby? She usually likes to hear Scott's stories. And... Uh, if you read the newsletter a few weeks ago, you, you read a Scott story. <laughs> and uh, anybody read that one? Who was right? Was I right or was it Scott right? Who's, who's writing that story? <laughs> now, I, I was trying to talk to Scott about the Lord. And somehow later on in the conversation, prophecy came up. And I didn't know much about prophecy. And, and Scott came up. You know, in the Bible, it says that when the Russian and the eagle meet, destruction will come. Actually, the, when the bear and the eagle meet, destruction will come. I don't remember that verse. But I was still very, very young. Uh, I don't remember a verse in the Bible saying where the bear and the eagle meet. But he was, you know, he made that up off the top of his head. <laughs> He's just making up scripture as he went along. And I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah, it's in there. Where? Oh, I don't know, it's in there. Okay, I didn't know anything. So I didn't quote that because it came from Scott. So it's one of those things, let me just put this off to the side here. Let me come back to this later on. So we make things up. So, so we have to find things in Scripture. Now in 2 Timothy, he tells us in verse number 16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. Notice what it's profitable for. It's good for. It's going to help you with doctrine. My friend, don't believe this idea that we have to have love over doctrine. We have to have unity over doctrine. No, we have doctrine over anything else. It's important that what we believe. John is stressing in his, in his letter the idea of what we're teaching. What does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? It's, it's, it's profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof. There is no such verse that the bear and eagle meet destruction come, that you're lying, you're making that up now. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. How do I live a righteous life? Well, the Bible is your instruction book. That the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The scripture is our method. It's the only way we have on how to mature in our faith. Without it, we, we cannot. Ethan's not here. Sarah's here. Ethan, years ago, was taking his written test for his road test. And he was getting all his stuff off the internet. And he took the test and he failed. I said, son, forget the internet. Use the book. I, I, here's the New Jersey Department of Motor Vehicles book. Use the book. Use the book. Well, this is just, this is the internet. It's off the internet. Use the book. Did you use the book? We went the third time. Use the book. Right, Ethan? He's back there hiding on me. Use the book. And he, I'm watching, and I'm, please, Lord, please. We're going to Cracker Barrel after this, and I, I want to go happy. Please, please let him pass. Please. And he passed. Amen, Ethan? He still didn't use the book. <laughs> That's just a stubborn teenage rebellious nature, Amen. <laughs> That refuses to... Brother Dave, you understand how it goes. Amen. This is, use the book. 
When I got this sermon off the internet, use the book. There are a lot of weirdos on the internet printing sermons today. And be use the book. Now, my friend, in Scripture, God wants us to use the book. It's the only reliable way to measure anything. How does this measure up with what the book says? Use the book. Now, the urgency, if we go back to 1 John, the urgency here of John's command resides in the fact that not a few but many false prophets have gone out into the world. There's not just a few guys out there. There's a lot of guys out there. And sadly, a lot of those guys have, they're the mega churches. They're the ones with a thousand people sitting there because they're saying things that everybody likes to hear. And they're the, they're the teachers who are tickling the itching ears. Tell me something I want to hear. Tell me something good about myself. We all like to hear good things about you. Hey, I saw so-and-so the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were talking about you. What's the next line? What'd they say? What'd they say? Oh, they had a lot of good things to say. And like. <laughs> or, yeah, well, you won't like it. What'd they say? Just our nature, amen? We want to hear good things. We want to hear what they say about me. Oh, they said it, and you're like, it's me. I need longer arms to, 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 to how great, great I am. They're teachers that are tickling the ears of people, and Paul warns about that. Again, Satan not only de develops lies, but he... he, he he, he mingles truth with it. There's, there's truth and there's a lie. And that's the most dangerous one of all. Because, again, it's, this is, it's got something. Well, that's right, but that's wrong. Well, we'll no, if it's, if it's right and wrong, you throw the whole thing out. You throw the whole thing out. It's not good. Truth mixed with error, usually it's far more effective in deceiving people than just a flat-out lie. Because you see the truth in there. So, well, there's truth there. So I'm going to, okay. But no, you're, you're ignoring the lie that's in there. You go to a Christian bookstore. There's very little you can buy in a Christian bookstore today, if they still exist, because you've got a lot of junk, a lot of garbage in the book sections. Things that will, are just lies, but the only, the only good thing in a Christian bookstore is, 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 the, is the King James Bible. That's about the only thing you can really get in there. There's just a lot of junk books written by people who, again, are making a buck and selling you something that really is not going to help you. Years ago, a kid said he died and went to heaven. And everybody believed him. Oh, he went to heaven. And Pastor, what do you think about that? It's like, no, no, it doesn't match, match up with Scripture. But he says he saw Jesus and he was in heaven and he came back and, and they made a movie about it. Anybody remember this? Well, the kid came out later on, hey, I made it up. But the whole, he lied. But it's still a good movie. And it really, it touched my heart. So it's a lie. It's, it's, it, listen, you can get more docked out of a Hallmark movie. Than, and, and, and there's nothing in those things except the same story every single time. You just wish that feminist wench would not have gone to the big city in the first place and stayed home with Johnny. And she, and she would have saved herself 15 miserable years. Amen? <laughs> Can I say that from the pulpit? <laughs> is that wrong to say that? And why does it always have to be Christmas time with these women when they come home and discover true love in the tree, tree department of, in, the, in the back lot down there at Kmart somewhere? They don't have Kmart anymore. That's how old I am. If I said two guys, then I'm really dating myself around here. Now, so... Satan not only develops lies, but he, again, he, 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 he mingles it. So here we have a, he gives us a guideline on how to test these things. And again, John gives us three uh, familiar tests for determining whether a teacher and his message reflect the spirit of God or a spirit of Satan. The first test is theological. The second test is behavioral. The third test is presuppositional. By that, I mean, is this person committed to the Word of God? And we'll quickly go through these things very quickly. And so true teachers, true biblical Bible teaching is characterized by a confession of who Jesus Christ is and having a biblical mindset and belief, scriptural teaching of who Christ is. Now, he says in these verses here, in verse number uh, 2, he says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. The first test is theologically, or more specifically, it's Christ-centered. Who is Christ? What does this person teach about Jesus Christ? And the verb rendered confess is a present tense form, which means to say the same thing. Every human teacher who agrees with the scripture that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is therefore of God. Now again, this is, this is, there's more to it than this. Because even a Jehovah Witness believes that Christ has come in the flesh. But again, who is this person of Christ? The, the, the text here does not go into every nuance or every aspect of it. He's already developing it as he goes to the book of John. John already in his, in his gospel has explained who Jesus Christ is. That he is the eternal word made flesh. I watched a Jewish rabbi recently. I think I told this either Wednesday or Sunday. I can't remember the last time I told this. But I watched a Jewish rabbi recently who was asked why Jesus Christ is not the Messiah. And, and this rabbi was very, again, he was not angry. But he gave a very sound answer. And it wasn't scriptural, but he gave his answer and he said, because we as Jews believe it's not possible that God can become flesh. God is God. God cannot become flesh was one of this rabbi's answers. His second answer was, because we know the Jewish Messiah has come to establish the kingdom, not to die on Calvary or not to die on a cross and suffer. Which again, ignoring a lot of scripture, because we know from scripture that the Messiah is to suffer. Your Old Testament is filled with a suffering Messiah. You have to ignore a lot of Bible. Psalm 22 and, and Isaiah 53 and the Passover lamb, all of it talks about a suffering Savior. Genesis 3.15, on and on the list goes. But he said it's not possible that God can become flesh. That's the mindset of this particular rabbi. Gnosticism teaches that, again, he is a God who assumed flesh, but he's not God. But John is trying to let us know that this person, that you have to confess that Jesus Christ, and Jesus means Savior, God is Savior. He is Christ, means he's the anointed one, he is the Messiah, is come in the flesh, that God has come. This is who he is. So who is Christ? Is he, the, is he God manifested in the flesh? A Mormon will tell you no, a Jehovah Witness will tell you no, others will tell you no. He's, he's a God, but he's not the God. Anybody who denies the Trinity is, is, again, a false prophet. You cannot deny the Trinity. The, the, Jesus Christ proceeded from God the Father as the living Word of God is found in John chapter number 1. He became flesh according to our Bible. He is one with the Father according to our Bible. He manifested to humanity, to humanity as the second person of the Trinity. And he is the Son of God according to Scripture. According to the plan of God, Jesus came in the flesh so that he might die as a substitutionary death as a man for the sins of other men. That's God's plan. Christ came to die. In order for him to die, he has to become flesh. So flesh comes that it may die as a sacrifice for man's sin. He did not come to give you health, wealth, and prosperity, and happy thoughts, and, and, a, and a happy home on a hillside. If that's the case, then the Apostle Paul missed, the, missed it entirely because he suffered his entire ministry. Being beaten, prisoned, stoned, and, and shipwrecked, and a thousand other things happened to that dear man. He never got the memo that he was supposed to just name it and claim it. Just a, a, a lie. I claim it. I name it and claim it. Where'd you get that from? You didn't get that from the Bible. Name it and claim it is not scriptural. Just like a lot of thousand other expressions you hear Christians use today. I bind thee Satan. What does that even mean? You're binding Satan. How long is he bound for? Because 10 million other people on this planet have bound him as well. So how long is he bound up for? Satan's looking, look at these nuts. <laughs> You're not binding Satan. You can't do anything. Well, Jesus hit me no. Jesus is going to bind him one day and throw him in a bottomless pit. That has nothing to do with you. But right now he's pretty much free to roam the earth. My Bible says resist the devil 
and he flees from you. Not you, I bind thee, Satan, like you, like you got lightning bolts flying out of your fingertips or something. This is not, you're not Thor or anything else like that. Knock it off. This is not superhero Marvel magazines here. You're a child of God. You walk in Scripture. Resist the devil. Flee temptation. And that's how you get the victory. Not walking into sin and I, you know, stop. I was never a fan of Superman. I like Superman. Don't make me wrong in the truth, justice, in the American way. I thought it was all cool. But it, listen, if you can throw a rock at a guy and he folds up like a cheap church chair, and everything, that's like, dude, stop. That's all it takes is a green rock and the guy, he's done. I'm sorry. But and it, how can we have so many green rocks on this planet melting this guy every time they turn around? Now, I digress. Christians should not be hanging around sin. That's your kryptonite, by the way. Stay away from it. Flee temptation. Walk away from it. Joseph didn't hang around. Mrs. Potiphar kept coming towards him, and he kept running away from that wicked woman. And so the problem was she kept following him. Just keep on running. Eventually, one of you got to give up. Eventually, she'll run out of gas. Now, the only way we can, God could redeem mankind is for God to do it. You see, salvation is, is God redeeming you. God himself, that's what makes our salvation. The Bible talks about how great a salvation we have. Why is our salvation so great? Well, not a God purchased it, not an angel purchased it, not a superior being, but God purchased this for me. This came from God. God did this. That's why we'll all be singing in heaven, praising God. You think God's in heaven going, oh, you know, I did give this guy credit over here. You know, I created him, but he saved everybody, so give him the credit. You think God's going to do that? No, God gets the glory. God gets the praise. And if we don't have the right Jesus, it's a false spirit. John is emphasizing the deity of Christ, and he's teaching this massive truth. Again, it has vast implications that... No one can honor the Father without honoring the Son because they share the same divine nature. What did Jesus say? He said, they said, show us the Father. What did he say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I and the Father are what? One. So we have, so to be saved, one must believe that Jesus is eternal deity, the second person of the Godhood who became man. He's not merely a created being, contrary to what Gnosticism was teaching, but what the Bible says. To mere intellect, a sense of the truth that saves no one. To be saved, one must acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. In, 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 in Romans, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. Again, it's, it's about believing who Christ is. Not, you know, Mary's going to save me and Jesus. Mary has nothing to do with it. Not a thing. Her job was over after she gave birth and, and then raised him, but that was her job, just to give birth to him. Salvation is all upon Christ and Christ alone. And so anybody's praying to Jesus and Mary and Jesus and something else, they, they're They're wrong. They're believing a false spirit. A person's understanding and acceptance of Jesus, again, is, is the litmus test of, the legitimacy, of how legitimate their faith is. And that's when we talk to people, who exactly is Jesus? Jehovah Witness comes to you, who exactly is Jesus? Your friend says, I'm a Christian, I got saved. Well, really great. Well, who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who saved you? Uh, talked to a young man years ago. I told this story before. He, I got saved Sunday. I said, that's wonderful. Tell me about it. Well, I can't really remember too much about it, but me and the pastor afterwards, we danced around the church. That's great. But what did the pastor tell you? I really don't remember, but we danced around the church. We, we, three times he told me he danced around. I don't know if they did the Hucklebuck, the, the Watusi, or, or, uh, but since it's, it's today is one, two, three, one, two, three, maybe it was a waltz, okay? We're going to one, two, three. If I say that one more time on the internet, today is one, two, three, one, I don't care. All right? It doesn't mean anything. All right? I don't know what they danced around the building. What? All he remembered is dancing. No, you need to remember what, what, what did you, you hear? What did you believe? That's what's important. But we want emotion, we want entertainment, we want this, and 
You ask me, you got saved, well, how do you feel? That has nothing to do with it. If you get saved, you have a stomachache before salvation, and you trust Jesus as your Savior, nine times out of ten, you're still going to have a stomachache because Jesus didn't promise to cure your stomachache. Stop eating garbage, and you'll, the stomachache will go away. That's, that's how Jesus fixes that problem, and some Pepto-Bismol. That'll fix you up. But salvation doesn't cure stomach problems. It cures your sin problem. That's what Christ is fixing for you. But today we have this idea that you, know, you can trust Jesus. You'll never be sick again. You know, there was a lady by the, years ago who started the uh, Christian science. The thing about Christian science is neither Christian nor science. It's like grape nuts, cereal. It's neither grape nor nuts. It's just, just, we don't know what it is. But it's Christian science is the idea that you know, all illnesses are just a figment of your imagination. You just think you're sick. Well, that dear lady got so sick one day, she died. And, and they, at least she thought she did, and they thought she was dead, and they buried her, and she'd been buried for a long time. That's garbage, though. We do have illnesses. Salvation only cures your soul's problem. Everybody eventually is going to get sick and go out of this world or something's going to happen to you. And yet the lie is, this is what's going to happen to you. Happiness and joy. You know, Paul was beaten and bleeding and hurting beyond imagination, whipped in a Philippian jail cell, and they sang praises at midnight. You see, it, it, your joy comes not from lack of beatings, but from the person of Christ. And yet, too often today, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't love me. Look what they did to me. No, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and, and you ought to sing about it. And Paul and Silas sang in that prison cell with their backs shredded, with no medicine, no ibuprofen, no nothing. And they praised the Lord. John calls this, if we go back to John's gospel, he calls it a spirit of antichrist. Now again, this is not talking about the Antichrist, but the spirit that Antichrist will possess, who is still yet to be revealed. And I don't really care who he is, but he will come one day. Again, so the true nature of Jesus is inevitable, but false teachers will deny it. Now very quickly, in verses 4 and 5 of this verse, he says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. My friend, this speaks of, again, when we get saved, we become a partaker of a new nature. We have our human nature, but we are also the partakers of a divine nature. Remember a few weeks ago I used Joe as an illustration of this new nature we have. We have our old nature and our new nature. I have a new nature, and my new nature within me hears the things of God, and it wants to know the things of God. John's statement here, when he talks about year of God, little children... And I've overcome the world. He's, he's letting them know that this is a security they have. Salvation is a wonderful Bible truth. And people who think you can lose your salvation have such a shallow understanding of what salvation is. When I got saved, I got a new nature. And the Holy Spirit of God indwells me. He saves me. He keeps me. And part of this new nature is, has its ears out for the things of God. So you can hear something, you know, that just doesn't sound right. Something is just off with that. It's not quite right. Let me examine that just a little bit more and see what the book says. Because something, my, my spirit's not comfortable with this. It's just not comfortable with this. All true Christians possess an incorruptible seed of eternal life. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 23 through 25. Meaning that no satanic deception can take them out of God's saving hand. Satan can't snatch you out of God's hands. This belongs to God. You think Satan's going to come and take something out of God's hands? Lots of luck with that. It's not going to happen. True believers have been given a spiritual insight into truth. The Lord talks about this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 21. But not only do we have a spiritual insight, but we also have a love for it as well. You know, when people tell me they're saved and they know the Lord and yet they never want to come to church and they never read their Bible and they have no love for the God, something wrong with that. Because you see, you get saved, part of you wants the things of God. I, I want to hear these things now. I, I may struggle from time to time, but I, 
I, I want to hear the things of God. And when they don't, you wonder, why don't you? Well, they're saved, they're just backslid. Maybe you stop praying for them, they're backslidden. No, pray for them to get saved because they're not backslidden. They're just lost. They may have made a profession, but they never got a possession. And it's important to understand the difference sometimes. Uh, we have a discernment that protects from, from apostasy. We'll see Scripture, we'll understand Scripture. And John is letting these people know that, listen, you're of God. And you should know truth. And you should know error. You should know what's wrong. Stop believing this nonsense that's out here. Just because they, they, they're, they're slick salesmen. They got it down to a science. I had a friend of mine one time, he, he was a car salesman, and he was, a, he was a snake in the grass. He really was. He had a lady come in and bought a car, and, and she got it home, and she called him and said, listen, my car won't go in reverse. He said, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to get like a circle driveway so you can like just drive out of it. And, and, uh, okay. And, and I said, you said that? He goes, yeah. We ain't going to fix our transmission. We sold her the car. It's her, it's her problem now. My friend wasn't a Christian, by the way, but this is what you got to deal with. So if your transmission goes out, just buy a circle driveway. Amen, Tony? That's all you got to just, 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 just don't, don't use reverse. Just, just always go forward. Amen? We're Christians. We never back up. We're going forward. Amen? We're, we're Americans. We, we ain't backing up for nobody. All right, so no, that's a, that's a slick, cheap salesman who tells you that stuff. We put a roof on the building years ago, and we had a major rainstorm. I come in the next day like puddles. I called the guy, hey, dude, my roof's leaking. Well, that's because we had that really bad rainstorm last night. <sighs> oh, okay. That's right. It, it, our roof doesn't leak when the sun is shining, so it's a good roof. <laughs> Thank you. Like, dude, did your roof leak at your house? No, get back over here and fix it. Fix it. It only leaks when it rains. Listen, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. I was, okay? I was just, just letting you know, all right? I'm not as dumb as I look. I can't be. Now, so we have this, again, we, the, the theological, who is Christ? There is this second thing, the profession and possession of a divine life because of our nature. That's the test of... Again, we're saved now. And very quickly, verse 6, he says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth us not. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and error. By the way, if we back up verse 5, you wonder why these mega churches are filled? That's verse number 5. Because they are of the world. The world is speaking to the world. And the world likes to hear the world. When the world comes in here, they look like, What in the world's going on with this bunch? <laughs> I realize sometimes I can go off on some tangents, a little bit crazy sometimes. I get that. I try to, I, I, I try to help that from time to time, but sometimes I just can't help myself. Some things aggravate me. I mean, I just, like Hallmark movies, I just can't help it. But the world likes the world. But we as Christians, we have this divine law. In, in, in contrast to these snake oil salesmen, teachers who are from God wants to proclaim truth. A true Christian wants to proclaim what's right, and, be, and he's careful about it. When John uses that phrase, that verse there, we are of God, he's speaking basically of the writers of Scripture, speaking of themselves. We are of God. It's not bragging to say that he was of God. God sent us, and I have a message from God. And, and, and so the teachers want to accurately proclaim the Word of God. We'll have men preaching tonight, and, they, and they've, they're struggling because they want to accurately proclaim the Word of God and not say anything. That's crazy. If they say anything crazy tonight, we'll all rise up and stone them, but we'll, we... we, we <laughs> no, not really, but we will, because <laughs> some of them are really big. Uh, but we, they are, we, they, we want to make sure it's correct, it's proper. The completed written revelation of the Old and New Testament is therefore the sole authority by which Christians must test all scriptural ideology. We've had cult leaders. And what does a cult leader always do? Forget the Bible. Let me give you a new revelation. Let me tell you something God revealed to me. Everybody's like, oh, that's going to be good. Let me show you something nobody's ever seen before. 
No, we've all if we read the book, we've all seen it before. Let me give you something new. There's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. The man of God stands up and preaches. Let me give you the old story that you may have heard before, but let's relish in these truths and let's div- divide them accurately. All scriptures give inspiration to God, as we've already said. And so, again, every jot and tittle in the scripture is unchanging. Its truth doesn't change. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will abide forever. This book's not going anywhere. Men have tried to destroy it, stamp it out, but this book's not going anywhere. It's always going to be here. It may not be as numerous as it is right now, but there will always be a Bible. They thought the Bible was extinct in Bible days until they were repairing the temple, and they came out with a copy of the Word of God. Hey, we, we found some Bible! And when they read it, revival broke out and changed the nation for a short time. The only thing that's going to change this nation is the Word of God. That's what's going to turn this nation around, my friend. Stop waiting for next November. It's going to be a whirlwind for the next... I, I, I wish I could like, go on an island somewhere and come back next January. Because I, 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 presidential election seasons drive me insane with all the nuts and the lies and the craziness that goes on. And, and the people who believe it all. So, we'll... We've got to find an island somewhere. We'll just all hang out there and, and have a good time, then come back and see what kind of damage has been done and, uh, and pick it up again. But we can't do that. We have to stay here and proclaim the truth of God's Word. Now, my friend, the world is rife with demonic false teaching, and believers must be constantly test the spirits. Let me test that. Let me test that. Let me test that. There's a group of people in the book of Acts. They're from Berea. And when Paul preached, what did they do? They said, let's, let's test this out first. They even tested the apostle Paul. And they came back and said, yep, he's right. <laughs> he's good. He gets, the, he gets two thumbs up on this one because he's, it, it matches up with Scripture. It doesn't match up because he's a nice guy. His family's good. And, and, he, and he does a lot for charity. And he's, he's sacrificial. That's all. No. Does he match up with Scripture? Does he match up with Scripture? That's important. Let's stand together for word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. We pray, dear Lord, that you'll help us to know the, the spirits, to test them on a daily basis as we go out in this world. We know, Lord, that you are the truth, that you love us, and you want us to live according to your word, and you've warned us in Scripture about error. Bless now this time. 